to the Hopcast, the podcast that delves into the fascinating world of all things human and organizational performance. I'm your host, Bobby Cowger, and together we'll explore the intricate relationship between humans, work systems, and how they interact to do good work. As someone who comes from being a frontline worker, my passion has and always will be the people. Here at the Hopcast, we are focused on moving from conformance to compassion by building relationships and leading with empathy and curiosity. Each episode, my goal is to bring you thoughts, concepts, principles, and insights that challenge the traditional safety norms. Thank you for lending me your ears and tuning in. Let's get into the episode. All right, here we go. Episode four of the Hopcast. Hope you all are well and having a solid week. Now, when I first got started on my hop journey, I would go to Google and I would Google anything and everything I could around hop. And you'll see some stuff come up that probably sounds familiar or somewhere along the lines of human factors and operational learning or psychological safety, safety to safety differently, the new view. And something that I feel that really goes hand in hand with hop is operational learning. And so that's what we're going to cover on today's episode. I want to talk about what it is. I want to talk about what it's not. And then I want to talk about some ways that you can go out and try to operationally learn from what's going on within your organization from maybe a little bit different lens than you're used to looking out of. Now, let's start with what it's not. I've been a part of easily, I would say over 100 RCAs and 5Ys. And for those of you that don't know, RCA is root cause analysis. And essentially, that's what we would do whenever we would have some type of incident if it met a certain type of severity, right? So we're going to dig in and ask questions or five whys up until we get to the root causes of the incident. And operational learning is not that. It's actually the opposite of that. Operational learning stands at the heart of optimizing hop, human and organizational performance. Like we talked about last week, optimizing hop. It's a systematic approach that embraces the wisdom gained from real life experiences within your organization to enhance processes, improve decision-making opportunities, and overall culture. The best way I could explain it is, think of it as a dynamic feedback loop that transforms lessons from the field into proactive improvements. So we're not only looking at unsuccessful work, we're also looking at the successful work. We're looking at the work done well. How do we improve something that we never get feedback on? It's still so crazy to me that for so long, all we've ever done is focused on what went wrong, and then tried to piece puzzle pieces together without looking at all the pieces and cook up best practices and action items that never have any follow through. Now, is there value in that? Yeah, I guess to a degree, but it has a ceiling. So what about not only learning from what goes wrong, but also from what goes right? And that was something that Eric Hallnagel was big on. He was big on work as imagined versus work as done, which we'll dive into in a couple episodes from today. But that was something that he said. Why do we only focus on what goes wrong? Let's learn from what goes right as well. And I think that it's no secret that we perform way more successful work than unsuccessful. And I like to use the dirty dishes analogy. So I'm newly married as of September 9th of this year. And I have some things that are my buttons that my wife likes to push at home. And one of her buttons is don't leave dirty dishes in the sink. And so I don't do it on purpose, but if I happen to leave a dirty dish in the sink, I definitely hear about it when I get home from work. And so I'll already have my response loaded in the chamber because my response matters, right? Fifth principle of hop. But she'll say, you left dishes in the sink, blah, blah, blah. I hope she's not listening to this because 
She definitely doesn't say blah, 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 but you get what I'm saying. And so I'll tell her, but look, and I'll turn around and we have a really nice kitchen with, with some cabinets that some have glass so you could see inside. And that's obviously where the good dishes are and they're set up all pretty because we don't really use those ones, but I'll point to the cabinet and I'll say, but what about all the dishes and bowls and forks and spoons that are in the cabinets and the drawers? You don't give me any credit for the clean dishes. You only look at the the bad dishes and look at the negative. And she kind of scoffs because I talked to her about hop and everything that we talk about on this podcast pretty much before I put it on the podcast. And what I'm trying to get to is that we should be looking at both. We shouldn't just be looking at the bad or the negative or the red. We should be understanding that more information, if it's the right information, is a good thing. And I truly think that at its core, operational learning helps shift the narrative from viewing incidents and failures to seeing them as opportunities for growth and advancement, along with adding context to why and how we achieve successful work. And it's about moving away from the reactive stance of assigning blame to more of a proactive stance of seeking to understand the underlying factors. By analyzing incidents and successful work, organizations can gain insight into the complex interactions of what we talk about with HOP, human behavior, equipment, procedures, and other factors. Operational learning isn't just a one-time event either. It's not easy, and there is no finish line. It's more of a marathon, an ultra-marathon. It's a continuous cycle that fuels ongoing improvement. And when I deep dive into operational learning, I start by peeling back those layers and really sticking to what I like to call the seven phases of continuous improvement, the seven phases of operational learning. All these phases make it really easy to navigate, and I feel like they flow pretty well together. So phase one is engage and report. We need information. Information is the currency in achieving optimal outcomes in operations and safety. Put on your still toe boots, go take a stroll on the front line, and go to the Gemba. Gemba is a Japanese term that translates to the real place. Ditch the desktop for the day and go to where the work is done, where the value-creating work actually takes place. Encourage open dialogue, go out and engage in the everyday work, listen very carefully to the reporting of incidents and near misses and unsafe conditions, as well as asking questions about how and when we achieve the most optimal work in sound operations, the good work that's done well. This fosters an environment where individuals are comfortable sharing their experiences, a psychologically safe work environment. We did a survey a few months back, and I was just sitting at my desk, and I could see the employees walking back and forth on the shop floor, and they were talking about how they couldn't wait to share their point of view. And so I would ask them, why don't you share your point of view all the time? And they would say, well, it's an anonymous survey. And so the anonymity almost made them want to speak up more. And this is no different. You have to create that environment where people understand that they're there to learn and improve and not blame and shame and judge. And so documentation along with the right information captures the details necessary for thorough analysis. And that leads us into phase two, which is analysis. This step involves diving deep into the information that you've obtained through the reporting and the engaging. Even in incident investigations, instead of stopping at the immediate cause or causes, operational learning seeks to undercover systemic issues that contributed. It examines factors like communication breakdowns, procedural gaps, latent conditions, or what would be called unassumed risk, the role of human behavior and why people make the choices when they're given the options that they're given. Phase three is to identify trends and patterns. 
And now this is not to predict and prevent. I feel like there is an obsession within the safety sphere of predicting and preventing all incidents and that all incidents and accidents are preventable, which they're not. I think that, like Dr. Todd Conklin says, we're really good at prevention. This is more so to help prepare and reduce, to build operational resilience and the capacity to fail safely. We will definitely get into incidents, preventability, and people obsessing over incident prediction in a later pod. Now, operational learning involves aggregated data to identify trends and patterns. Remember, not to predict, not to prevent, to prepare and reduce. This allows organizations to recognize recurring issues and also areas for improvement. It also helps you find out where your system is the weakest. Most times, we don't even know where our real issues are, but yet we're still doing safety meetings around hand safety, hand safety news flashes, and things around PPE, so on and so forth. Now, are those things important? Yes, to a degree, but I promise you that no one goes to work to lose a digit and become the four-fingered man or the four-fingered woman. Now, by spotting these patterns, organizations can address issues at their core. Looking inward is a huge step in operational learning. Phase four, developing and implementing improvements. This is where it starts to get fun. The insights gained from your operational learning journey will lead to the development of targeted improvements. Now, what could that mean? Whether it's refining processes, maybe stripping away procedures to allow more human adaptability, which might sound crazy at first, but what's even crazier is that when we have successful work, people definitely break rules or make errors, but not because they're bad, because they adapt and create success when the rule didn't make sense, maybe the rule didn't apply in that specific scenario, I think that a lot of times we think our procedures are way more specific than they really are. Enhance your organization's training. Maybe be more intentional with your training. And maybe even look at modifying equipment to create overall organization improvement. Phase five, share the lessons that are learned. Operational learning thrives on lessons learned. Don't stay in your silo. Don't be project specific. If all can improve, then by all means, share. Sharing insights throughout the organization ensures that everyone benefits from the knowledge and the information gained. What good is information obtained if it doesn't get shared? Sharing information and lessons learned also promote a culture of openness where everyone contributes to the collective improvement. Phase six, monitor and give feedback. The thing about operational learning is there is no metric. There is no KPI. There is nothing to put on a dashboard. After implementing these changes, operational learning involves monitoring the effectiveness, and this feedback loop ensures that improvements are successful. How many times has an organization implemented something new, and it's the shiny new toy, but a few months go by, and that toy is at the bottom of the toy box? Don't let operational learning be at the bottom of the toy box. Stay the course, stay consistent, and this feedback will be a vessel of your organization making system improvements. And then phase seven, the last phase, continuous adaptation. As operational learning becomes ingrained in your organization's culture, it'll be like anything else. It'll evolve and adapt. New insights and technologies are integrated into the process, allowing the organization to stay ahead of the game. The performance starts to parallel the preparation. In essence, operational learning transforms incidents along with successful work into stepping stones for progress. It replaces the blame, shame, retrain game with a focus on understanding and improving. 
By embracing a culture of operational learning, organizations create an environment where mistakes and errors and failures are seen as opportunities, where transparency is valued and where continuous improvement is the norm. I know that seven phases could seem like a lot, especially whenever we have the five hot principles and we start talking work as done versus work as imagined and masters of the blue line and learning teams and there's all these different things that comes with it and it's not all just compiled into one. But if you take anything from today's pod, please take away that we have to get rid of the blame, shame, retrain, repeat mindset in organizations. Criticizing and humiliating others does not stop people from making errors or mistakes. Instead, it creates that culture that we've been talking about of fear and underreporting. It creates that unpsychologically safe work environment, and that's not because people are bad. That's because the organization created that environment. That's where employees are unable to share their blunders or what they did that was successful. So you really start to learn nothing. You don't start to learn the good, the bad, or the ugly. You're not going to learn anything at all. You'll be spinning your wheels and you'll be stuck in it at that starting line. And you'll never get anywhere near the finish line, even though we've already established there is not one. But you'll be at ground zero, essentially. When we do that, when we blame, shame, retrain, and repeat... What we really do is we miss out on valuable learning opportunities as organizations and also as leaders. Failure is not the opposite of success. However, it is an integral component of it. Death, taxes, and one thing can be certain, that there's going to be mistakes and system failures. Consequently, it's crucial to prepare and create strategies to navigate the inevitable. And that is it for operational learning. So operational learning really did help me adopt that lifetime learner mindset. And I hope that it does the same for you. And operational learning really is that one-two punch with hop, with human and organizational performance. If you have one and you have the other and it's very strong, you can work your way towards that operational excellence knockout, if you will. And so next week, I want to talk about what types of questions I'm asking when I'm going out and practicing operational learning. Now, to give you a preview, there's four different categories, direction, motivation, competency, and opportunity, as well as utilizing the four Ds, which is a concept in a book that was written by Brent Sutton, Jeffrey Lith, Brent Robinson, and Josh Bryant, asking the questions essentially of, is it dumb, is it dangerous, is it difficult, and is it different to help us get better answers? Whenever we ask those same old questions that we always ask and it turns into an investigation or an interrogation, not only are we not going to be able to learn because the employees are going to shell up and not give us the full story, not because they're bad, but because of the type of questions that we're asking and the way that we're asking the questions, we're taking it from being a parent-child conversation to a parent-parent conversation or an adult-adult conversation and creating an open dialogue where they can be open and honest and share their shortcomings and share their failures and give us the full 30,000-foot view and the snapshot from their lens, from the frontline worker, from the sharp end of the stick. And that way we're able to go out and really learn and then do all the things that we talked about today in the seven phases. That's going to do it for today's episode. I appreciate you tuning in, riding along today. If you have any questions or ideas for future topics you'd like me to cover, don't hesitate to reach out and connect. I've set up an email. The email is thehopcastwithbc at gmail.com. Your input and support is truly invaluable. 
And as always, stay resilient in your pursuits and keep that flame for curiosity lit. I'll catch you next week. Same place, same time.